0: I got a special product for my cannabis love in Kings and Queens. If you love a good pre-roll, a joint, you have that fresh cannabis. We want to make sure it's staying fresh. And so I'm thankful to have Integra specialty products here at the low life podcast brings you plant-based solutions for top tier cannabis storage and packaging with two day humidity control packs. Ensure the freshness, potency, and quality of your cannabis with boost plant-based solutions that only puts in pure water vapor into your dried out buds. Ideal for flower, pre-roll edibles. They offer harmonious balance of convenience and freshness. For more information, check them out at www.integraboost.com or at IntegraHerbal on Instagram. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout for 15% off your next online purchase at www.integraboost.com. We keep it moving,
1: yeah we, do. we
0: Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno. What's up, puta? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, hot mess of a host, Lo von Rumpf, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. No place I'd rather be than here with my beautiful kings and queens, my low lifers. I'm so thankful to have this podcast. It's always a highlight of my week getting to be here with you. So thank you for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, oh, hello. Welcome, new king or queen. I'm very happy to have you here. You picked the right time to join the Hot Mess Express. This is actually a two-part situation. So last week's episode, part one of the conversation, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that one, treat yourself. You will not be disappointed. Loved that episode. Today's show is great, too. I recently had someone ask me, you know, what do you talk about on the low life podcast? Do you talk about fashion style segments? Is it all about like fashion and styling every week? You talk about trends, that sort of thing. And I get it considering, you know, I'm a fashion stylist. So fair assumption to make that it would be a fashion styling type podcast. But, but no, it's not that. And I know this person was asking me wanting like an elevator pitch. What exactly do you talk about every single week on the podcast? But the thing is, it's really difficult to put this podcast in a specific box because it really is a mixed bag of tricks. (laughs) I look at it like an appetizer platter tapas, if you will. Different flavors, different tastes, some things you might know about you've tried before, some things you might not know anything about. It's just very interesting. All different things that I'm curious about. I freaking love a good charcuterie board. I love a good appetizer platter. And this podcast is really serving it up in that way, which is part of the reason why I love it so much. See, the thing is, I've been a podcast listener, a fan of so many podcasts for years. I love listening to podcasts. So when I decided to launched my own into the world, I wanted a place for all the different podcasts that I love to have like a central hub. Like I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts. I love good serial killer stories. Also love a good self-help moment. Entertainment, pop culture type stuff I'm into as well. I love listening to the New York Times Daily, This American Life, Trading Secrets Off the Vine, Today Explained, Smart List. There's so many incredible podcasts out there. I love them all. So when I went into creating this show, I was like, okay, I want to have a little mixtration of it all. Is that even a word? It's not. (laughs) It's my word. Yeah, This podcast is a mixtration of all the things I love, all the things I'm curious about. And the thing is, I've been on this planet for 32 years, and I've met some really fascinating, very interesting people. Some of them are inspiring. Some of them just have really interesting stories and backgrounds. The thing is, that's one of the best gifts you can give to this world is, is sharing your story. So this podcast is going to be a mixture of all those things, people sharing stories, things that I'm interested about, things I'm learning about. And I want to do a deep dive into a little bit of true crime in there as well. The most important thing for me is that number one, you always get a takeaway from every single episode, even if it's just a smile or a laugh, like I want you to have a takeaway. That's so important for me because I don't want you to feel like your time is wasted. You should get something from every single episode or learn something new, hear a different perspective, or just feel like you can escape for an hour, especially right now. Hell, we could all use a little escapism. You know what I mean? I just wanted to make sure that this podcast wasn't reliant on names, like bringing in celebrity type names. Yes, I have celebrity friends and clients, which is really cool, whatever. But like, I didn't want this podcast to be reliant on people's names to get listeners like that would be my worst nightmare because that could only last for so long once your Rolodex of people on your contact list, you know, runs out. Well, then who the hell are you going to get on the show type of a thing? And I know podcasts that have run into that problem. So when it comes to this show, you know, I make a promise to each and every single listener that I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to remain vulnerable, although it terrifies me sometimes to really put myself out there. <laughs> it scares the living hell out of me sometimes. And I'm going to guarantee some sort of a takeaway with every single episode so your time's not wasted. So that's what the Low Life Podcast is. If anyone asks, you know, what do they talk about on that show? Uh, it's a mixed bag of tricks, a little bit of everything, an appetizer platter, delicious appetizer platter a wagon wheel from your local black angus perhaps chicken tenders fries and some nachos on that platter maybe some lettuce wraps too (laughs) i love getting feedback from my listeners on topics to cover guests to have on oh recently in the uh facebook group the low life facebook group if you haven't joined it come on board it's great i love getting to talk to my listeners and that's a great place to get to know everybody But I was asking people, you know, what shows are you obsessed with right now? I also like to do deep dives and review shows. That's another thing I like to do on the podcast. Again, all mixed bag of trick type stuff. But if you're looking for something to watch this coming weekend, um, some of the top shows that people recommended, like you got to watch these definite fan favorites. All right. Number one is Yellow Jackets on Showtime. People love it. Number two, it's been out for a bit, but it's still very popular. People love Ted Lasso. Also, Sex Life of College Girls on HBO. I was told that was hilarious by many people. Inventing Anna on Netflix is another popular one. And then also Love is Blind on Netflix. Very popular. People love Love is Blind. Actually, I'm going to start that one this weekend. Stay tuned. I'm curious about this show. I've heard so many people talking about Love is Blind. But let's get into today's very special episode with psychotherapist Lori Gottlieb. This episode has so many golden nuggets of wisdom sprinkled throughout it. I love it. When it comes to therapy, you know, there's a lot of stigma around going to therapy. I feel like that's starting to subside a bit. People are a lot more comfortable with talking about going to therapy. It's not a big deal. A lot of people do it. There should be no shame in wanting to become a better version of yourself. You know, work through some shit. And Lori said something that really resonated with me. She said, you know, when it comes to therapy, it's important to go into it addressing how the past informs your present, but also addressing what's happening in your present so that you can create a better future. Perfectly said. In this episode, we talk about dealing with childhood trauma. If you grew up in a house where you don't share your feelings, so did Lori. And she talks very openly about that in today's episode. Also about starting over. There's never a set age when it's too late to start over. You can do it at any age. And Lori talks about that. Starting a new chapter, a new career in your life. It can be scary. I get it. But also could be very successful for you. She also talks about how to find the right therapist that's perfect for you. Not every therapist is going to work. Some you're going to have to go through and try a new one, that sort of thing. And she talks about what to look out for. When it comes to going into your first session with a therapist, what to ask them, what they should be asking you, that sort of thing. She covers idiot versus wise compassion. Didn't know the difference. I learned that on this week's episode. And also the importance of self-talk. That voice in your head. Oh My God, do we say some shitty things to ourselves sometimes. So we talk about the power of self-talk and rewriting your script. And of course, I had to end the episode with a round of rapid fire questions. So that's in today's show as well. One thing I touched on with Lori that I was so happy we talked about because it is a hot button topic right now is when it comes to people's families, a lot of families are divided. There's a lot of divisive type culture, hot button issues, whether it's politics or what's going on in other parts of the world, religion, finances, the economy, inflation, all that shit. People are really intense right now. Tension is running really high and a lot of families are feeling that. So how to navigate those relationships when you don't agree with your loved ones, but you love them, but you definitely don't see eye to eye on anything. All that and so much more on today's very special episode. So without further ado, let's jump into part two of the conversation with Lori Gottlieb. Hit it! All right, we're back today for part two. I want to jump right back into the convo with you, Lori. When it comes to being an expert in a specific industry, it's cool to be regarded as an expert by your peers. I relate to that as an expert in the fashion industry. You know, we both speak on panels as experts all the time. But one thing I've noticed when it comes to my fellow experts of their craft, experts in any industry, really, (laughs) you know, that you can quickly become a know-it-all. And nobody likes a know-it-all. <laughs> People can't stand know-it-alls. Now granted, it's not easy to admit when you don't know something or you need help, especially if you're needing help or you're not sure of something in an industry that you are the expert in. It's a humbling experience. It's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> you know? But I come from the school of thought that you should always be open to learning, you know and and always be open to changing. Honing in on your craft takes a freaking lifetime, which brings me to someone like you, Lori, who admittedly says that you actually don't know it all. I love that. You say it with pride. So just because you are a very successful therapist with a New York Times bestseller, you know, there's a year long wait list just to see you, but it doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you always get it right. It doesn't mean that you don't need help too there's definitely a lesson to be learned in that. And I'd love for you to tell me about navigating those vulnerable waters.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, that's why, that's why, so, you know, with maybe you should talk to someone with my book, what I was trying to do was to show that we're all, you know, we're all dealing with being a person in the world and all of the struggles that come with that. And in the book, I follow the lives of four very different patients as they go through what they're going through. But there's a fifth patient in the book and the fifth patient is me as I go to my own therapist because I'm struggling with a breakup at the time. So it's, you know, and I say at the very beginning of maybe you should talk to someone that my most, that my greatest credential is that I'm a card carrying member of the human race. Mm, and and I wasn't trying to position myself as the expert up on high. And I think that's why the book has resonated so widely with people is because it wasn't just like, here's the therapist and here's all this knowledge. It's here's this ex- very human experience that not only is she going through with her patients, but she's going through as a human with her own therapist. And I think that we can see ourselves reflected in the lives of everybody in the book just because I think that we're all more the same than we are different. And that's what I'm trying to show with the book and and with all of my work that, you know, I think people feel so alone in what they're going through. And what I'm trying to say is, trust me, you are not alone.
0: Yeah. And the therapist also has a therapist. So (laughs) that's something that a lot of people don't even realize that I didn't, uh, until learning about you. And I was like, Oh, wow. Good for her. Like, I didn't even think that, yeah, you would need an outlet as well. Um, although I would say whoever the hell your therapist is like, wow, they better be on their a game though. You know what I mean? Like, because you, (laughs) you know, so much about it and it's like, yeah. Well, it's funny
1: people. So in the book, I call my therapist Wendell and people love Wendell. Like it's, it's very funny to see the two of us. And there are times when he makes mistakes, just like there are times in the book when I make mistakes with my patients. But again, I think that's just part of being human. And it's, it's really about these relationships. Like it's less about therapy and more about the, the ways that we connect with other humans and the way that that those experiences transform us.
0: Hmm. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen takes it. Queen, you yeah. love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend to my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I was just curious, did you grow up in a house that was, you know, very open with emotions and feelings and it kind of started young for you and you just carried it into adult life?
1: Oh, are you kidding? No, the opposite. And I I think most therapists, it's funny, we become therapists because we never had the opportunity to talk about our feelings. And so then we're like, we want, we want to create an environment where everybody learns how to do that. Yeah. Um, No, I, I grew up in a household where there was just not that kind of fluency around feelings or language or emotions. It was a lot of, you know, like, let's all pretend we're happy. And I think, you know, my parents certainly did their best and, um, you know, but they grew up in those households too. So it's like, it's like this intergenerational way of parenting that gets passed down. So we're we're Jewish. And so it's kind of like, you know, this Jewish from Eastern Europe and then, yep. yeah. And so you know, and then you know, our, our families have gone through the Holocaust and and all of that. So there's all Whoa. of that. We don't talk about the painful stuff. We don't talk about that stuff Jeez, because we sorry. want to spare the kids the pain. So we want everyone to be happy all the time, except that life isn't like that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I'm curious, with you getting into this profession, I read that it was later in life for you.
1: It was. So I had had a whole career um working in in film and television. So first I was a I I did film development in Hollywood and then I moved over to NBC and I was doing primetime series development at NBC the year oh, wow. that ER and Friends came out.
0: Oh my god. So it was gosh. a very good year. At, yeah. At NBC.
1: <laughs> and it was because I was working on ER that I decided to go to medical school. And I know it's a very I took a very circuitous path to to becoming a therapist.
0: Were you a little terrified of it though? Cause like, I mean, you were doing well, I'm sure in your career. So, I mean, were you doing simultaneous like student life and rocking it? At NBC? No, so,
1: well, what happened was, so we had a consultant on, on ER who was an actual ER doc. And I would go and spend time with him in the ER ostensibly to, you know, think about story ideas, but really every time I was there, he'd say, you know, I think you like it better here so much more than you like your day job. <laughs> and he's like you should go to medical yeah. school and i was like ha 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 i was a french major in college um oh. <laughs> and um but i but i was always sort of math like i loved math and science too but i just i never thought of going to medical school and and yeah. i love story i mean that's why i started working in hollywood was i loved story and the human condition but what i realized when i was hanging out in the er was i loved the real stories more than the ones, you know, and the ones that, that were being, you know, the fictional stories, they were amazing. ER was an amazing show, but I loved those moments of like meeting real people and connecting with real people and seeing like real humanity right in front of you. And so I ended up going to medical school and when I was in medical school, I was up at Stanford and it was the, the first sort of dot-com boom before the bust, like in Silicon Valley. Yeah. and And all of my professors were saying things like, there's this new thing called managed care, and you're not going to be able to to see patients the way you want to see them because the whole mm. medical system is changing. And then we were watching all these like, you know dot coms. That was the whole new thing. And yeah. and so um i en- I started writing about everything that was happening, and I ended up leaving medical school to become a writer. And that's how I became a writer, and I'm still a writer. Um, but right. it was after I had my son. So about ten years into my writing career, when I was, you know, like many new parents, um, you know, I needed adult company during the day, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, you have this like little baby who, um, who I love dearly. But um, so the UPS guy would come with all of our deliveries, and I would try to like make conversation with him. Um, you know, how about those those diapers? And do you have kids? Sure. And the weather? And he would try to back away to his big brown truck to avoid me. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, okay, I have to do something about this. So I called <laughs> up the dean at at Stanford Medical School and I said, maybe I should come back and do psychiatry. And she said, you're welcome to come back, but you want to have these relationships with patients. And a lot of psychiatry is about medication management. So why don't you get a graduate mm-hmm. degree in clinical psychology and do the deeper work that you're really interested in doing. Mm-hmm. And and that's really how I went from I think writing about people's stories as a journalist to editing people's stories as a therapist in the therapy room.
0: Mm. Wow. I mean, that's incredible though, to like, to do that little career pivot you had with a, with a baby. Oh, some late nights, cram sessions, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the thing. If you look at it on paper, people would say, well, that's not a good idea. Right. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Um, but I think I knew so strongly that I just, I really love working with people and working with story and therapy just does both of those things. And you watch people right in front of you have these heroic moments. They they have a conversation with someone that they never were able to have before. They take a risk in a way that they were never able to do that before. They set a boundary that they've never been able to do before. And then over time, you see that their lives from the from when they first came in, to when they leave look substantially different and there's mm. just nothing more gratifying than being a part of that process to be sort of the witness and the guide with somebody yeah. along with that process. When,
0: when you're in these one-on-one sessions with people or, or, or a couple, do you ever get stumped and you're like, hold up, I, I actually, I, I need to talk to somebody about this one. Like, And yeah. I'm even thinking like, could you talk to someone about it? Cause it's all confidential, right?
1: So, so in, in my book, I, you get to see what really happens in, in these sessions. And you also see that therapists have consultation groups where we meet once a week, most therapists do this, um, with our colleagues and we talk about our cases because sometimes we want to get input. You right. know, it's, it's like it, most other jobs, people see what you're doing. They see your work product, right? But with us, the only person who sees it is the patient, is the person that we're working with. And so it's very helpful sometimes to say, "Hey, this is what's going on with this person. Here's what I've been doing. Do you have any ideas?" And you get to like sit in on those sessions with the consultation group, as well as with the other sessions in the book. But what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do in the book, and what what Guy and I are trying to do on the Geotherapist Therapist podcast, because you actually hear real sessions on the podcast. Yeah. Um, is we want people to understand how even one conversation can change your way of thinking about your problem and can really shift something in your life. Just that one conversation can do it. People think of therapy as, oh, you're gonna be, you're going to go to therapy and you're gonna sit there for years and you're gonna talk about your parents and you're gonna download the problem of the week and nothing's gonna change. <laughs> and that's not what therapy is at all. It's very much focused on, sure, how the past informs the present, but what's happening in the present so that you can create a new future. And mm-hmm. we wanted people to hear that So that they know that they can have that experience too.
0: Yeah, you know, personally, I've found therapy to be very beneficial in my own life. It's helped me in dealing with loss. It's helped me to understand myself. Hell, it's allowed me to improve my relationship with others around me, especially those closest to me. That being said, therapy isn't always easy. What you put into therapy is really what you're going to get out of it. And I had to go into my first therapy session ready to do some work on myself. I'm still doing the work. (laughs) It's a constant Work in progress. I know therapy isn't necessarily for everybody, but in my humble opinion, life is already hard enough as is. So if there are some tools out there, therapy being one of the tools, many tools, why not give it a shot? Try it out. Give yourself a fighting chance over here. There's a family member of mine who recently started going to therapy, and she was telling me about the advice she was getting from this therapist. And I'm listening to her, and I'm just so confused because... If you knew this family member the way I know this family member, the advice that she was getting from her therapist just wasn't making sense. I was like, what? Right away, I started picking up on the fact that this family member of mine must have some major holes in the story. And the therapist that they're going to is basically just affirming this victim narrative, which isn't beneficial to the patient. You know, it's not beneficial to this family member of mine. I get we all have our own narrative, of course. But I feel like a good therapist, one that's really there to help you, can hopefully have a third-party perspective, a removed-from-the-outside-looking-in perspective to sniff out the bullshit and help you with helping yourself, right? Like, my question to you is, do you call your patients out? Like, can you tell if they're bullshitting you?
1: Absolutely, yes. Oh, so okay. That's so. You see that in in all of the patients, including me, where I'm not telling my therapist the whole truth. Not because <laughs> we're 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 trying to deceive the therapist. It's more that we actually think that we're telling the accurate version of the story, right? Mm. Um, But what you find is that we're all unreliable narrators because we're telling a subjective version of a story. And my TED talk is all about this. And you can see there's specific examples in the TED talk. But basically when you're telling a story to a therapist, you know, what I'm always looking for is, you know, what are they leaving in and what are they leaving out? And what are they choosing to tell me? And which parts of the story are they emphasizing? And which parts of the story are they minimizing? And who are the heroes and who are the villains? And why is it always that way? Do they take responsibility for their own role in the story? Is the protagonist being active, being proactive, or is the protagonist going in circles, right? So I'm really looking at it through that story lens, knowing that I'm only getting a very subjective version of the story. So I have to ask the right questions and in a way where the person won't feel shame or they won't feel defensive so that Mm. I can get a fuller picture of the story. So that they get a fuller picture of the story, which creates more flexibility and more options for them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's the way to do it. Oh, you're just getting it in there, Lori. The way you ask those questions <laughs> will say a lot.
1: Well, you know, study after study shows that the most important factor in the success of someone's therapy is their relationship with their therapist. That matters more than the number of years of training, than the modality they're using, and any any other factor really. Then. What is it like when you sit in a room with that therapist and that therapist can be great for someone, but not so great for another person. It's almost like dating a little bit, right? It's like, do you click? And if you don't click with that therapist, I always suggest to people, that doesn't mean therapy isn't for you. It means that therapist wasn't for you. So, Mm. you know, if you go to a consultation, which is a first session and know that it's a consultation, it doesn't mean you have to go to therapy with this person. It means that at the end of the session, ask yourself, did I feel understood as much as someone can understand you as they're just getting to know you? And then the second question is really important, which is, and did they say something or ask something that made me think about something in a new way? So it's not just, you know, yes, yes, I agree with everything. It's like if they might ask a question that might make you say, oh, wait, maybe there's more to this story, right? And yeah. that's the kind of therapist you want to go to. And that's the difference. And I write about this in the book, the difference between idiot compassion and wise compassion.
0: Idiot? Idiot compassion. Idiot,
1: idiot <laughs> compassion is what we do with our friends. So your friend comes to you and says like, look at what my partner did. And we're like, yeah, they were wrong. You're right. That's terrible, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it's like, it's not that helpful because often if you listen to your friends over time, it, it could even be with a different person where it's like the same story, different characters that they always feel sort of victimized, right? Yes. It's like if a fight breaks out in every bar you're going to, maybe it's you. But we don't say that to our friends in idiot compassion. We won't say that. We, we won't say, like, you are the common denominator in all of these things that you've been complaining to me about. I think
0: you might be toxic, Susan. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what a therapist offers instead of idiot compassion is we offer wise compassion. And in wise That's compassion, compassion We hold up a mirror to you, and we help you to see something about yourself that maybe you haven't been willing or able to see. And that's where the freedom and growth and transformation come from, to own your role in the story. That doesn't mean that there aren't problematic people out there. We have this saying, before diagnosing someone with depression, make sure they aren't surrounded by assholes, right? (laughs) So, so I'm yeah. not saying that there are difficult people. They might even be your own family members or your partner. Absolutely, or whatever. sure. But then, what is your role <laughs> in this? And what are you doing? Where's your agency, right? And so, I think that's what can be so liberating is when you find your voice, when you find your agency.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, perfectly said. Thank you for that. That's what I'm trying to do these days. I think all of us are really trying to find our voice, you know, and uh, it's difficult at times, but with people like you, Lori, really in your book and now um, your your workbook that's available, I feel like you're you're making it a bit easier for us, which is a great thing for humanity. Everything is so divisive right now, and it's not as politically charged now as it was Last year, but it's still there. I know families that have been broken apart because of politics. Race is coming into play right now. Uh, Sexuality. I mean, there's so many hot button topics that are at the forefront right now. And I'm seeing Thanksgiving tables that were boom, completely divided, not only because of COVID, because families can't stand each other right now. And I'm like, Whoa, how do you even go about dealing with that? One common Thing that said is just don't talk politics and you don't talk religion, but it's always the people that say that it ends up coming up at the table. When you're passing the stuffing, it comes out and people get heated. So, and I have a few friends that are, are going through it right now with their families and they ask for my advice. I'm like, Hmm. Uh, I'm a little stumped sometimes. I'm like, I don't know, sorry, your aunt's like super racist, or you know, like it's or or does not believe in anything you believe in, you know, even if they're not racist, it's just completely different spectrums politically. But it goes into their uh, I guess their perspective of life. That's why it's a little bit more charged. And that's where the anger and the frustration and the divide comes from, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because it feels more personal.
1: Mm-hmm. I always feel like, first of all, the ways that families communicated growing up are, is going to mirror the ways that they talk about these really difficult things that are going on in the world with each other. And I think that you have to come to each other with, from a place of curiosity that so often we want to kind of shove our ideas down somebody else's throat even by the way when we don't even think our ideas are ideas we think they're basic human rights so so you know we we <laughs> yeah. so it's it's very charged in that way and it's very hard when someone can't see something that feels profoundly unfair or unjust or inhumane and and you're trying to talk to them about it and they just can't see it so i would come to them from a place of curiosity to try to understand more about sort of you know asking questions about sort of like really trying to understand not trying to make your point but trying to imagine the world from their perspective because as as upsetting as their perspective might be to you understanding why they feel the way they feel will help you to give you kind of a basis for how you might have those conversations later on but if they don't even feel understood and they just feel talked at you're never going to even be able to start those conversations and it's so important For the next generation, especially as they're growing up, that they know how to talk about these things so that they can create the world in the way that we have we have failed to do so far.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, and a part of me knows like with my uncle, for example, he is uh, he's a big Trump supporter, loves him. And, you know, I'm I'm not on that Trump bandwagon, you know, but. I still love my uncle and we've had some discussions. I am very curious about his perspective though, but I think I'm like, this is a guy who's been in my life for the last 32 years and I've always loved him and he's been a sweetheart, you know, he's been a, a staple in our family and like a parental figure in ways to me. And so I, I don't know if, if this is helpful to people or if I'm on the right track here, Lori. but sometimes I think, okay, I know he, this is his political belief and, and he has economic beliefs and, and socialism, you know, that's like the devil to him and so those type of ideas. And when I talk to him, I'm like, as long as I remember in my head, he's coming from a place of he's a good human and he's just is maybe being misunderstood or like the root of this guy. There's there's good there. And I don't know, if for some reason for me, because people are like, how how are you still, you know, hanging out with, you know, your uncle who's just went to a MAGA rally or whatever. And I'm like, I just kind of hold on to that because I'm like his. His. His mission that morning, when he, you know, woke up and before we had dinner wasn't how am I going to piss low off today or ruin his day or really upset him or you know, really shake things up? I don't think anyone goes into the day wanting to, to f- with people for lack of a better word. Um, I think they go in hopefully with good intentions. So I don't know. like that's kind of a perspective that I have in how I can navigate some of those relationships. But well, I think I'm,
1: I think what you said is so important that you love him and love opens doors. So nobody is going to be able to consider another way of thinking about something if they feel judged. But if they feel loved, they might have the space to consider it. And I also Mm. think that most of us, what we really want at the end of the day is to be understood, that understanding someone is a form of love. And so when I see couples, I remember once I saw this couple and one person in the couple said to the other, you know what three words would make me feel so good to hear. And the person said, I love you. Yeah, she, that's said, what I was say. <laughs> she said, no, it's, I understand you. Those mm-hmm. are the three words. I understand you. Do you know how delicious it is just to feel understood? Yeah. And so I think that sometimes we're so busy trying to feel understood that we fail to understand the person we're trying to be understood by. Does that make yeah. sense? That, that
0: Absolutely. we're
1: saying you don't understand me and the other person feels profoundly misunderstood by you. Right? (laughs) And so I think you have to start with curiosity in order to understand. You don't have to agree with, but just to understand. And I wanna say that that as we talk about all of this divisiveness and and between people, I wanna talk about this uh, lastly, because I know we have to end in a sec, that we need to be kind to ourselves too. We need to to understand ourselves and not judge ourselves for whatever we're thinking or feeling. And I don't think people realize this. Like when I'm giving talks, I'll often say to people, who is, you know, I'll be on stage and I'll say, show of hands, who is the person that you talk to most in the course of your life? Is it your parent? You know, lots of hands. Is it your sibling? Is it your best friend? You know, who is it? You get lots of hands for all of those. Is it your partner? The person that we talk to most in the course of our lives is ourselves. And what we say to ourselves isn't always kind or true or useful. And so I had this, this therapy client and she was so self-critical, she just judged herself constantly. And she just did not realize that. And she felt profoundly misunderstood by the world, but really she was profoundly misunderstood by herself. And so I said, listen, I want you to go home and write down everything that this voice in your head is saying to you. Just listen to yourself, how you talk to yourself and see what you say and come back next week and let's talk about it. And she was very After scared. writing
0: it all down? Writing all it all things- down. So like whenever you have okay. a thought,
1: you're, you're talking to yourself. What do you say to okay. yourself? Um, and so she comes back the next week and she's like written it all down in her phone and she starts to read it to me and she starts crying. And she says, I can't believe this. I am such a bully to myself. I can't even read this to you. And some of the things that she had said to herself would be things like she was typing an email and she made a typo and the voice in her head said, you're so stupid. That was the voice in her head. And she was like, I can't believe I said that. Because if she would, if a friend was typing that same email and made the same typo, she would not say to her friend, You're so stupid, or even think that about her friend. She caught her reflection in a mirror and said, Oh, you look terrible today. Right. So she's like terribly cruel to herself. But so many of us are. So I always say to people, is it kind? Is it true? Is it useful? And if it doesn't meet those three criteria, then change the station, whatever voice in your head, like the, the mean, you know, the be mean to yourself station, change the station, <laughs> like the, like a dial on a radio or whatever, just change yeah. the station. Like, why do you need to listen to that all day?
0: Kind, true. And you say, Oh, that's fantastic advice. Uh, cause I am definitely similar to your, uh, patient in that, I've, I've been working on it, but man, some of the things I'll say to myself, I'm like, I would literally never say that even my worst enemy, I would never even think those thoughts, but I'm allowing myself to, to go there today, you know, cause I have a pimple on my nose or whatever you know or I feel like shit or yeah I, that's thank you for that that's uh that's really useful helpful beneficial advice that I'm about to take into my life I needed that one um, here at the low life podcast there's just one thing I want to do with you and I hope you could squeeze it in it's rapid fire questions these are just what comes to the top of your head. I'm so curious to know your answers though okay all right let's get into rapid fire questions here we go. Uh, Cottage on the beach or a cabin in the woods? Cottage on the beach. Mm, Nice. If your belly button had a magical power, Lori, any power when you press your belly button, what would you make your belly button do?
1: Mm, I would make my belly button uh, travel in time.
0: Oh, yes. Time travel. Mm -hmm. Love it. What is your go-to self-indulgent? This is your last meal on death row. What are you going to order? Lori, I'm curious.
1: Oh, this is easy. Like a, a beautiful steak. This is gonna yeah. this is gonna offend everybody who's, you know, I, I, I live in LA Vegetarian. and I'm like the only person who's not vegan in LA. I
0: eat meat. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm in I'm over here in Studio City. I love some meat. Yep. Are you uh, medium well done butterfly? I'm just curious. Medium rare. Order?
1: Medium rare. Woo!
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, when are you most inspired?
1: Mm. When I am. Um, Walking
0: in nature. Nice. Uh, what is a movie that you've seen that you would consider a mood changer for you? A movie you've seen probably more than once. You could even quote it, but I'm not gonna ask you to quote it.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. (laughs) Um (laughs) I could do TV shows. I'm like I watch TV. I'm like a dick. I'll take a TV TV show. Yeah. The office would be my mood changer uh, TV show, The Office. UK Obsessed.
0: version or US no, version? No, US
1: version, all 12 seasons, seen them all multiple times.
0: Same. <laughs> it's my favorite show as well. I love Michael Scott. Yeah. What is your top love language? Are you familiar with the, uh, I think the five love language, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and quality time? Uh, mm. Which one really does it for you?
1: Quality time.
0: Nice. Uh, what is the last show? You binge watched, I know the answer to this now. <laughs> it's The Office. I assume.
1: Um, no, the last show uh, that I binge watched, Ted Lasso. Oh,
0: nice, Ted Lasso, great show. Uh, what is something that people commonly get wrong about you?
1: That I'm not vulnerable. Mm, yeah. That I that I have it all together. Yeah. Well, if they've read my book, they know that that's absolutely not true. Yeah. But if they haven't <laughs> read my book, say. that would be what they yeah. get wrong. <laughs>
0: All right. And when you die and come back to this world, let's say you believe in reincarnation, Mm -hmm. you get to pick an animal to come back to this beautiful world as giraffe, which animal? Oh, (laughs) Uh, that's
1: locked and loaded. I got that one. (laughs) A giraffe. Wait, a giraffe. That's so easy. I love giraffes.
0: Okay. I was going to say any significance or have you uh, gone to like see them at a safari or something?
1: I, I think that they, their, their necks are so elegant. They're just, they're very, they seem very quiet and at peace They're just so beautiful and elegant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're freaking magical creatures to see. I love. And you throw some David Attenborough vocals over (laughs) a scene of drafts and I'm like, gay gasp. All right. We always like to end the podcast uh, with a little words to live by. So we send the low lifers. That's what we call our listeners here uh, with a little words to live by. So anything, a quote, or just something you tell yourself, uh, which you've given a lot of little golden nuggets of wisdom on this podcast. But if you give one more uh, to end the show with.
1: Mm. So, and maybe you should talk to someone, one one of the patients that I follow is this woman who really cannot forgive herself for things that she did many, many years ago. And so at one point I said to her, what do you think the sentence for this crime should be? Because she had really given herself life in prison. Like she would not let herself forgive herself. And she was so intent on getting forgiveness from the people that she had hurt, as opposed to finding a way to take responsibility for what she had done, but also forgive herself for what she had done. And so... I think the the words to live by just during the week when I go through my week is, what do you think the sentence should be for this crime? So, yes, take accountability, take responsibility, try to repair it, but don't keep self-flagellating. It gets you nowhere.
0: Yeah. ugh, that's. Perfectly said and uh, much needed as I go into the week as well. Thank you for that, Lori. Thank you for being a guest. I'm going to link all of your social media handles. I want people to go out and buy your book, get that workbook too. Uh, And it's just, again, a privilege and an honor to have you here and, and so generous of your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. All right, we got some great guests coming in hot for you, my kings and queens. You will not be disappointed. All right, next week's guest is Josh Peck. Oh, my God. I love me some Josh Peck. National treasure. <laughs> Actor, writer, comedian, author, just all around good human being. He was on the show Drake and Josh back in the day. That's a throwback. Drake and Josh. Remember that Nickelodeon show? <laughs> Now he's on the show How I Met Your Father opposite Hillary Duff, but he's been in so many movies. He's freaking hilarious. His comedic timing, come on now. It's so good. Uh, his YouTube channel is everything too. If you haven't followed Josh Peck on Instagram or watched his YouTube videos, oh, uh, he's the best. So he's next week's guest, but I just wanted to say thank you because I wouldn't get to interview these amazing people having these conversations. I don't like to say interview. It's more just conversational, but I wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for you, my listeners, my lowlifers. So thank you so much for supporting this podcast, sharing it with your loved ones, your friends, your family, coworkers. It is so freaking appreciated, especially for an up and coming little shit show like the lowlife Life. You know, this show is 74 episodes deep. It's an up and coming little podcast, but there are millions of podcasts out there. I mean, hundreds of thousands of podcasts that launch every single day into this world. So the fact that you were here with me listening, tuning in every week, it really means a lot. Thank you so much from the bottom of my spicy little heart. The best way you can support a podcast is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify as well, giving it five stars. But leaving that review on Apple Podcasts is really a game changer. It makes a huge difference. I learned from my producer that it helps with the sponsors. It helps with the algorithm. It helps promote the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It just makes a big difference, especially for up and coming shows. So if you love a show, you enjoy listening to it and you take the time to leave a review, it really does help impact the show. So again, thank you for taking the time to do that. When it comes to leaving a review, it could be anything you want it to be. You could leave a little dick emoji, a unicorn, a heart eggplant, whatever your heart desires. You could actually write a message, talk about your mental health, talk about favorite episodes, Again, anything and everything is welcomed and so appreciated. I have listeners who write several reviews every week, so thank you for taking the time to do that. We're at well over 2,500 reviews, and I want to show my gratitude, my appreciation to my lowlifers uh, by opening up the Low Life gifting suite. Well, it's been open for the last few months, <laughs> but it's still open, so I'm picking people at random in the review section and actually sending out treats from the Low Life gifting suite. There's beauty products, gifts from our sponsors, gift cards, shit you didn't know you needed from Amazon that I'm obsessed with. I just bought a bunch of stuff, and I'm wrapping it up, and I'm sending it out to listeners. So if you want a chance to win something, leave your Instagram handle in the actual review of Apple Podcasts. Plus, I'd just like to know who you are to say thank you. And hopefully we can meet one day and I can give you a big freaking hug. So, again, if you want a chance to win something, just leave your Instagram handle in the actual review section. And I want to shout out some low lifers who have taken the time to leave a review. All right. So here we go. First one up comes from Brittany Marie B. Brittany Marie B. Right? Top five pods. I count down the days until a new episode comes out each week. I just love Lowe's positivity and sense of humor. He is so relatable, has great guests, and will just make you smile the whole time you listen. Honestly, the best to follow on Instagram, too, with his stories. Oh, thank you for that, Brittany Marie B. You queen. My stories are a hot mess, but I'm glad you find them enjoyable. If you like a good meme or some nostalgic music video throwbacks, uh, then shoot me a follow on the gram. It's at S-T-Y-L-E-L-V-R. That's style, L-V-R. All right, next review comes from at Carrie Hilliard. Carrie Hilliard writes, one of my faves, five stars. Hands down, my favorite podcast. I look forward to this every Thursday. You make me laugh and brighten my days. Your outlook on life is amazing, and I connect with you on so many levels. I wish we could hang out and drink Trashy Sangrias with a little salsa dancer, some hard eyes. Love you, low. Oh, I love you too, Queen. And yes, I want to drink Trashy Sangrias with you. Maybe one day I'll get to go on a tour. That would be so cool. A like go-on tour sponsored by Crystal Light, Trashy Sangrias. <laughs> I had so much fun when I went on tour with KB. I did two shows with her, and I freaking loved it. I got to meet so many listeners, the Vinos, who are some of the best people ever. So it was really cool. I loved it. So I'm going to put that in the atmosphere. Hopefully I get to do a tour one day. Ooh, I'll bring little Caitlin, my Canadian Maple Delight. She'll go on tour with me. That would be great. All right, we have time for one more review. This one comes from at Linz.com. Maravalli. Ooh, what a name. Great freaking name. Linz Maravalli writes, "Low lifer for life. Five stars. Love this podcast. Low always brings a smile to my face and has the best guests. Love listening to him on my commute. He makes me smile. Thanks for being such a beautiful soul, even though you're a hot mess. <laughs> uh, thank you, Linz, which I'm sure is short for Lindsay. Thank you for loving me, even though I'm a hot mess. In my rock-bottom moments, the fact that you guys could be there for me. I appreciate each and every single one of you, especially you today. Thank you for that, Queen Lindsay Maravalli. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Make yourself a little trashy sangria. Throw a couple shots of tequila in there. Maybe make yourself some carne asada tacos. Ooh, that sounds delicious go out into the world, make some bad decisions this weekend, but don't forget to drink your water with us. I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you and we're out. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>